This is episode number 237 of the Rising Man podcast with Raina Izuka. We could all benefit from being more curious. Welcome back, Rising Man family, and thank you for joining me here today. My name is Jetty Azuma, checking in behind the mic for another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, remember we have our dojo coming up here, May 4th through 7th, Austin, Texas. This is your opportunity to sharpen your embodiment, prepare yourself to be a leader, to be the most prepared man in the room when shit goes down. May 4th through 7th, we're getting together a small exclusive group of men here in Austin, Texas for an amazing four days of growth, empowerment, and embodiment. If you're interested, go to risingman.org slash dojo. Claim your seat today. I promise you guys, this is four days that will prepare you for the rest of your life. Trust me, you're not gonna, you won't regret it. I guarantee you that. Uh, So go ahead and get yourself signed up before we run out of space. Okay, today's guest is Reina Izuka. She was raised by a single mother for her entire life. Reina fell in love with sports at a young age. Although many told her she should stick to playing with the girls, Reina ignored the noise and played right alongside boys in every sport all the way through college. She was the first female ever to play university men's football in Canada. Currently, she is playing professional rugby in Japan with aspirations of making the Japanese women's national rugby team. Most of all, she's an inspiration of perseverance, following your vision, and tuning out the naysayers to achieve your highest goals. In this episode, Reina and I started by digging into what Reina's upbringing without a father was like, how her coaches and the amazing men around her filled in the gaps of being raised by a single mother. Reina shared how she's overcome adversity in her life, including three major knee surgeries in order to persevere and become a professional athlete. We dove deep into a very vulnerable and controversial topic, specifically around how difficult it is to navigate the world of political correctness and social media mobs when it comes to male culture and masculinity. Lastly, we dropped into how fathers can best show up for their daughters. Without further ado, Reina Izuka. All right, Rising Man family, I have a wonderful guest that I'm very excited to have here with us today on the show, Miss Reina Izuka, coming in from, uh, I almost forgot, let's see, Yokaichi, Japan? Yeah, Yokaichi, Japan. Yokaichi, <laughs> Japan. You know, you're the first guest we've had recording live from Japan. So right off that's the bat, sick. that's the first right there. <laughs> also, also the first woman on the show who is also a football player. Okay. So another yeah. first. Amazing. <laughs> um, so I'm really glad to have you on here, Raina. You're such a fantastic woman from what I've gotten to know, watching your story from a distance and excited to have you in here today and tap into some of your experience and your story. I'm super pumped to be on your podcast. Like I said uh, before we were recording, it's my first like podcast that's centered around men. And I always get asked questions about like, you know, women's stuff, but I do have a deep appreciation for men. And like I said before, I feel like guys get a really bad rap nowadays. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, I'm very excited to to be a part of something that's more positive. Cool. Well, I'm I'm really interested in your perspective. Um, so I'm going to start off with a question that I ask everybody who's ever been on the show. It's it's kind of a heavy hitter from the start. So get ready. <laughs> in your opinion, what do you think it means to be a man? Oh my goodness! You can't ask me that. I have I to. I to ask know? everybody that question. You don't have to know. <laughs> I'm just asking what you think. What do you think it means to yeah, be a man? What it means to be a man? Um. Okay. So I I grew up Buddhist. So uh, I am Buddhist and um, 
so I, I do believe in like yin and yang and like that energy. And I think in North America, we get really attached to, and I hope this doesn't get misinterpreted into like the woke stuff, but like we get really attached to I like me and physical. And sometimes we forget about our, I think sometimes there is a time and a place where we do have duties and responsibilities and um, not not so much fixed fixed roles, but there is a time and a place for certain things. And um, I think some elements that I admire about manhood is that the really great men in my life, they... Um, it might just sound cliche, but they are able to protect the the weak or not necessarily weak. Weak might not be like the word that I want to use, but they're able to protect. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very strong sense and, and um, yeah, they have a very strong sense to, um, how should you say? How do, how do you even put it into words? Just like, oh, like, like that dad energy, like that I'm there for you. I'm that protector for you, you know, like, like that very like safety, that safety feeling mm-hmm. um, I get from like the men that I really look up to and the men that's mentored me um, growing up. And, and it's a little bit different from like the nurturing sort of uh the nurturing side of of women mm-hmm. it it's so hard to explain but there's like a different it's a different type of vibe and different type of strength um mm-hmm. that comes with the responsibility of being a, a a man uh i feel so yeah it's very hard to to put into words and i'm not in the position to be saying what it's like to 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 be a man but i do think being a man is is difficult um you're expected to protect and provide for your family and you know, work crazy hours and um, I've seen it firsthand. And so I I wish that younger people appreciated that more. Like, I wish we appreciated a little bit more what it takes, like what great fathers do to help their family survive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love your I love your response, and I know it's I always feel kind of bad asking that question, especially when I have a, a female guest on the show because <laughs> I, I I get it. If if somebody asked me what does it mean to be a woman, I would one hundred percent feel the same way. But I also think mm-hmm. it's really important to ask men and women, mm-hmm. young and old, what do we what do we think it means for these for these different roles? And I, I love that I get different answers to it all the time because I think that's actually the nuance to it is it's. It's, mm. it's, it's not, it's not actually fair to try and categorize us into, this is a specific definition of what it means to be a man or a woman. Um, mm. and in fact, I'd actually be interested to hear, you mentioned some of these great men that you've had in your life. Who are some of these great men and what were some of the qualities or characteristics you observed in them over the years? Yeah, for sure. So like I grew up in a single mother household. Mm. Um, so I'm very fortunate that like my mom was not like, lack of better terms like talking shit about like oh many shit many like she was not that um she did not do that which i'm very grateful for because i i do see 
I do see that sometimes in, in some of my other friends' ho- households where they are single parent households. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just like setting up your kid to think a certain way mm-hmm. uh, by the time they get like my age, which is like early 20s. Um, sorry, what was the... What's the question? So you said you said that you've had some. You said you had some great men in your oh, life yes. that you admire oh, yes, and look yes, up yeah. to. So, who were some of those right, men? Right, right. So, sorry, coaches. Like, oh my goodness. Like, um, yeah, I some great coaches who like, um, you know, I I think for some coaches that I grew up with, I'm like their dream daughter. You know, like, <laughs> oh my god, this girl's into football. Like. She's the captain of the team. Like, like no guy's gonna mess with her. You know, like she's got a good head on her shoulders. So, I, I, I definitely was very um, fortunate that my mom raised me a certain way, and that made coaches want to take care of me. Mm. You know, like I was like their baby in their mm. eyes. So sure. always guidance. Um, they always guided me. Like, rain anything you need, just hit me up. Like there's not that's the thing it's like it's not one guy like i have great experiences with many Mm. grown men and who i still you know make effort to keep in touch with and message all the time you know every father's day you know like i message you don't know how i spent like two hours on like father's day every father's day just like making messages and sending them to like all the you know great men in my life and i make sure i put effort into doing that um yeah so it's so so it's so hard, so hard to say recently probably um my general manager for the pro team that i play for now um pro rugby team that i play for now he's like really just taking me in like he invites me over for, for family dinners all the time like because i'm new to to japan and all of that like anything i need i can just hit him up like um yeah he's always there for me and then for university it was probably my head coach coach brian doby yeah he really just like took me in um really cares about his players so that's it's so hard like there's just so many good guys good men (laughs) so so and i think you have to be willing to look for it like you have to be willing to to look for the good in people um and then I think that's when, like, when you're looking for it and you acknowledge that, more of that good comes out of them, if that makes sense. It does. It um, does. In fact, I, I yeah. want to dig in a little bit. Um, I think right before we started recording, I think you alluded to it right in the beginning, too, that it's 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 kind of a tough time to be a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a tough time to be a human in general. Plant, the world's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. But especially with some of the some of the cultural dialogue and social narratives around men, uh, and and in a lot of cases, rightfully so. Historically speaking, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of evidence that would suggest that men haven't been showing up great over the over mm-hmm. the generations. But especially mm-hmm. now, you know, just mentioning how difficult it is. I, I think the stand. It's, I, I like that the standards are being raised for mm-hmm. all of us as men. That's uh, something that I endeavor to do for myself and the company that I keep. But I think it's important that we make sure that as we're raising that standard, that we're not losing people on their on their journey to 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 rise up to that position. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's just like anything else. Like we're not born into this world knowing how to live at a high standard that way. 
and not everybody, mm-hmm. you know, we, I think a lot of things you got to be taken into consideration, the way people are raised, who they're raised around, what they witness growing up. There's, there's so many things to take into consideration. And I think what I found in working with so many different men is by the time we become adults, whether it's 18, 21, whatever that line is that we draw, there's this expectation that these young men should already know how to be mm. the highest standard of men that, that we're mm. asking for, especially now. And mm. I wonder just from, from your perspective, because you're, you're a woman who has spent a lot of time around men, especially, how old are you right now as we're recording this? Uh, 23, going to turn 24 soon. Okay. So pretty recently, right? Like you spent a lot of time yes, around yeah. these young men that I see having such a hard time transitioning into the responsibility of adulthood because of what mm. seems like just the high standard and not knowing exactly mm. how to rise into that. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. Like, um, and I, and I, it's interesting. Okay. So like, for example, like in uni or, or high school, and it goes both ways. Like there are, there, there are things that, you know, girls have done that are like not that great things that guys have done that are not that great. But then like, when I kind of look at it like objectively, um, it's like, oh, yeah, what he or she did was like really not good, you know, but both he and she are like trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And they're when you look at them, it's like, oh, no, they're, they're like generally good people with good intentions. It's just this is the sticky point in our lives where we're learning and um, it's probably not going to happen again because they have good intentions and they want to be better. So mm-hmm. I think when you're when we're in it now, we can't think about like, you know, like everybody's cutting people out of their lives so quickly nowadays. I don't know if you're feeling that I'm feeling that, so much you so. know, because yeah. there's yeah, there's this like hustle culture. But I'm like mm. and I and I used to kind of be like that, too. But but it takes time to develop so when you meet somebody and you see oh okay they have really good foundations like for example like okay you're super loyal and considerate right those are values that i really value and you might not like you might not be like fully grown in your own skin yet but you will be and it might take five years for everyone to see that but like the mistakes you you make, like you're able to apologize for it. You you think about it, you know. So like you gotta give you gotta give people time, sometimes instead of just like being like defensive, being like ah oh, you ain't shit or like oh this person sucks, this person's a bad person. And sometimes it's it's hard to do that, but it's just something that that um I I do, um and and it seems to be the case that men's value increases as they get older for some reason i don't know if you see that yeah or if that's just that's just me yes so like me knowing that like i'm i'm quite um patient Hmm. uh or just like looking forward to it it's just like you're watching a flower grow like i'm like i'm looking forward for you to like bloom like i see that in a lot of my guy friends um and so of course there is like a line you know, like if you do something absolutely ridiculous, that's like, you know, against the law and like, that's a line, you know, <laughs> you know, For I'm sure. talking about like, like things before the line, like maybe you say something stupid or whatever. 
Oh no, I agree with you a hundred percent. And it's, I think it's refreshing to hear not, not just uh, a woman, but somebody your age who's having that type of uh, just sensibility about yourself. Cause cancel culture is so rampant right now. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. My, I have an uncle who he's, he's not, he's not very tech savvy at all. He's, he's one of those uncles. But he mm. understands, he sees what's happening. He's like, oh, I don't understand what everybody's doing, canceling each other on here. He's got a real raspy mm-hmm. voice and he talks like that. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, you can't just throw people away like they're garbage. Mm. Like, people are people are not disposable. And I think what what I and it's not a very clear line, but at least not for me. I think things need to be taken into consideration. But there's a point where there's certain things that I won't make excuses for. I won't condone certain behaviors because they, mm. they fall below what I think is acceptable. And at the same time, I think people need to be given an opportunity to make right things that they've done wrong. And and mm. with canceling of people, it's like we we shortcut that whole system of of mm. of, of restorative relations, and we just go immediately to up oh, exile. Right, like that's yeah. Granted, I, I get it. You know, some certain things are of a high magnitude and have um, significant consequences for people. So mm-hmm. we can't just overlook them. It's not. I'm not mm-hmm. saying we give people a pass for some of these mm-hmm. things that they do, but I think there's a little bit more care and consideration that needs to be given on an individual level because of what I see on my side of things. I, I try to be mm-hmm. an advocate for both sides. Cause I understand yeah. like, and I was telling you before we recorded, I have a son and I have a daughter, so I, I can yes. really understand the polarity of this. Yeah. Um, and it's tricky. So I, I just think I always encourage curiosity first, mm-hmm. the willingness to mm-hmm. understand before making these mm-hmm. judgments or decisions too quickly. Um, yeah, so- for sure. No, yeah, no, hundred percent for sure. And like, there are things that like, I don't, I don't, condone obviously and like it's like things that i wouldn't do or like things that like my personal guy friends they lines that they wouldn't cross but at the same time like we're so young and like i don't know how to say like like i'm i'm i might not agree with it and i might not like it but i think i'm pretty good at like not hating somebody and I think if you mess up big and you genuinely think about it and, and you know, like you take action so it, you never do that again, I think you should be given that chance no matter how g- gross the thing that you did was. Um, and I and I believe in doing that because like in Japanese culture, there's a saying... Um, have a big utsua, so big container. The bigger your container is, the more water you can fill, meaning the more accepting you are. And um, that's sort of a, a principle that I live by. So, you know, like forgiving, you know, try to be as forgiving as possible. And it's not, it's not like an easy thing, but I, I'm not, I think people should should have, second chances as long as you take the appropriate actions so that it is a mistake and not a repeatable thing 
Yeah. Well, like I said, it's it's really good to hear that from someone coming from your generation. Sometimes I start I start to feel like the old guy these days. No, and I just imagine <laughs> imagine the world that that you and your your friends and your contemporaries are growing up in. It is. It's very different. My, my I have a younger brother who's six years younger than me, and he mm. he can't remember what life was. I'm like one of the last in my family who can remember what it was like before the internet. And he doesn't mm. even remember any of that. And I'm sure you don't either. So mm -hmm. to, to just think about the type of world that, that y'all are uh, growing up in, it's, it's really refreshing to hear somebody who's taking a, just a more curious approach like you are. Um, do, so. do you, um, wait, do you have sisters or just the one brother? Uh, biological? No, just brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother, but no sister. Oh, that's crazy. That must be a wild household. Uh, well, you know, it was actually kind of interesting. I, my older brother is my half brother from my mother's first marriage and he was 10 years mm -hmm. older. So he was like the older brother that I watched from a distance and he was mm -hmm. very loving and supportive, but he was kind of moved out by the time I was eight. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, my younger brother and I, it was, you know, it was kind of a rambunctious household just between the two of us. That's cool. Brotherly, but no, I didn't grow up. That's I didn't cool. really grow up around. I mean, I had a couple of friends who had sisters, but not really. So I didn't really get that experience. Okay. Oh man. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting too. Like, um, sometimes, um, for my mentors, uh, I learned that, um, they're like the sweetest people ever. Like the, like the, the person that everyone in the community wants to go to, but they have like a past that they never want to go back to. Mm. And, like seeing that, like, oh, you were once this, but now you were this. That also gives me more patience, I think, or like more, like helps me have a bigger utswa, bigger container sure. with people. Cause like you never know who's gonna be like the person in, in the community who, who actually ends up like helping people the most. So that's really cool. And sometimes yeah, those sure. those really challenging experiences, like you said, it helps you grow that container. And yes, the only yeah. way to grow that container is by going through difficult things yes. like that. And so, yeah, um, sure. yeah, I guess just kind of tying up that conversation, essentially, if, if we're cutting off people too quickly at the first big mistake they make, then we're, we could be missing out on the opportunity for these flowers to, to grow to blossom, like you were saying before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, sorry to like bring it back. I know we were talking about your brother. It just I just remember that. No, 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 no. That's good. I love that. I love that you brought it there. Um, I do want to tap into some some more of your story because mostly out of my own curiosity, I just find your story really mm -hmm. inspiring. So, uh, just so people can get to know you a little bit, when did you start playing sports? When was like the first time you started playing sports? Um, like in a in a league, <clears throat> nine years old. Okay, and what was the first sport you played? uh football okay and this like, was in like, this is... know, like, yeah canada canada so like um like there you play sports at recess and stuff like that uh -huh. but like actually seriously in a league i would say nine years old and football okay canada, yeah so real quick how how did you get into football especially up in canada i mean i, I guess i don't know what the canadian football yeah. scene is like i've been a football fan my whole life but I don't really know what the Canadian football mm -hmm. scene is like. So, so how did you get into, yeah, how did you get into football? It's, um, actually, it was very popular um, where, where I was growing up. Okay. And um, 
So I was in an after-school care program because my my mom was working crazy hours. And um, one of the teachers, she taught me how to throw a spiral. Mm. And I was just like super enamored with the fact that like this ball was like how it was spinning. It's olive shape. Like this is crazy. You know, it's <laughs> not like a baseball or, or a soccer ball or whatever. And then every day, like I would literally just like work on my spiral. And I got kind of like, yeah, I was just like enchanted by the football um and then the boys brought a football to school and i'm like i got this so i was quarterback and then they're like whoa right i can throw and i'm like yeah i know and then like it was it was dope and then um and then i asked my mom i'm like i want to play football and she's like "Mm." and then i kept asking she's like okay fine and then i went to a camp eight week camp or so to see if i liked it and then um I loved it. She's like, okay, I'll sign you up. So and then she signed me up for the the higher level league by accident. She meant to sign me up for the local league, but she put me in the higher level league, which was one of the best mistakes I think she made because uh-huh. it, it forced me to like have a high standard very young um, early on. Um, and yeah, and just like opportunities came to like try out for like all-star teams and like uh, you know represent your province and all of that so that exposure to elite talent at a very young age and like that competitiveness mm. uh came to me at a at a very yeah like nine or ten and then i would say maybe 12 or 13 years old i decided yeah this is my path and i'm going to try to play university men's football uh, i'm going to go as far as i can and then it and I, di- I did that, and then n- now I'm here, and I'm like, okay, well, I want to play very high-level sport. I feel satisfied with football, um, and what's my next steps? And then it just hit me like intuition, the same way it hit me with football. I I I, I, uh, I describe it as like first love, second love, because everyone always asks me what you like better, like football or, or rugby, and I'm like, I can't compare. Like football is like – your first love you know Uh and then when you find the second love you're like what i never knew i could feel this way again (laughs) (laughs) so so it's like falling in love all over again um and i'm in that process with with rugby and i'm a professional rugby player now and i get paid to play sport which is sick and then my next venture is to try to play um at the world cup for team japan Wow. That's amazing. And you're only 20, you're only going to be 24 years old. So man, you're right in your prime. Um, <laughs> I, I gotta, so I, I wanted to ask you this. I don't want to assume anything, but uh, has anyone ever yeah. told you at any point on that journey that you should stop playing with the boys? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, okay. so many times. Yeah. So many times. <laughs> when was the first time you heard it though? When, when was the first time somebody said you really shouldn't be playing with the boys? Um, nobody. Okay. It didn't, nobody said it, but at that camp, there were um, so that eight week camp that I that I that my mom put me in before I actually joined a league. It was once a week and for eight weeks. And um, this coach w- was watching our practices, and we were doing some hitting drill, and it was like a comp- competition based drill. And I was winning, like I came second place. Mm-hmm. But this coach was like, "Who's that kid? Who's that kid?" And then who 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 who's a uh, like who's that kid's dad or whatever and then everyone's laughing everyone's laughing like all the parents are laughing they're like oh that kid is a girl and that's her babysitter 
And then the coach looked at my babysitter and then just walked away. Huh. So, so, wow. so like, like he was so interested in me and like playing for his team, mm-hmm. uh, to like to sign up for his team. And then he found out I was a girl and then he like, he's just like, no word, no nothing. He just walked away. Wow. So very early on, it was like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm not going to be wanted, mm-hmm. um, which was fine. Like, and I knew that, but like, it didn't bug me because I, like all my friends at, in school were guys Mm-hmm. Like I hung out with all the guys. So I was like that girl, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. that tomboy. So like I, I was used to that already, but like so my concern was mainly coaches, not players. Sure. When I was younger. Uh I knew I would be able to like gain respect from the guys. Like I know how to do that. Sure. Um but yeah, adults are, are different. So it is it is different. And I, you seem like a, a really strong woman already at such a oh. young age, but I, I try to imagine. I, well, yeah, maybe I'll have her moments, right? But I, I just yeah. try to imagine as a as a as a girl, you know, playing mm. a sport with. I mean, all all other boys. I kind of imagine that it was all other boys and male coaches. How did you how did you navigate that? Because I'm sure you felt it on a regular basis that. You mm. know, well, I knew I hit really hard. So I'm like, okay, once the hitting drills come, like I'll gain their respect. Like they'll be like, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. And it was, it was always like that. I'm like, okay, I knew what I was good at. And when those drills came, I excelled. And then that's how I would, I would get the respect. And um, yeah, I, yeah, it just whatever. Like, I guess it was just that like confidence back then. Like I knew I was capable. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm used to them, but some of them weren't used to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you have a full season with the guys. So that's a that's enough time to, like, get acclimated with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but when I was younger, it wasn't, it wasn't something that, like, really bugged me. It's, it seems like it probably was a bigger deal for everybody else who was seeing you for the first time. Like, oh my God, there's a girl out on the field hitting hard. You're probably, yeah. it sounds like yeah. you and your teammates are like, well, yeah, that's just, that's just Reina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also I, I'm oblivious, you know, like, and kind of naive sometimes. So like, you don't notice things all the time, which is kind of a blessing because you sure. don't need to notice everything. Sure. It could just be a distraction, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about now? Because now that you play professional rugby, you're playing with mm-hmm. all women, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. Is, yeah, was that an adjustment? Cool. Or again, you don't even think about it. You're just looking for something to hit. <laughs> it is an adjustment. It is. It huh? is an, I, I actually miss my boys, man. Like, like I, 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 yeah, I miss my guys back home. I'm not even going to lie. Like, mm. you know, guys are so rowdy and it's so fun, like in the locker room and like, and also, I'm not just like playing women's sports. I'm I'm playing in another country, so you're, you're dealing with a different type of woman, right? Mm-hmm. North American women are very different from like Japanese women. Mm-hmm. Um, so, not just the it's also a cultural cultural shift. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot for them to like get out their shell sometimes, um, just because modesty. Um, is a huge virtue here, um, which I very much respect. Um, I, I guess given the context might not help 
sometimes. Like in the rugby mm-hmm. context, when you're playing internationally um, and you're trying to be number one in the world, m- modesty is not. <laughs> modesty is, is not always the best virtue. Um, sure. Sometimes you need to bring that. Like rugby is a rough sport. You need to bring a dog out, you know? So, but it's okay. I'm cool. I'm adjusting. They're adjusting. And they're learning. I'm learning. Yeah. Are you the only other North American on the on the team that you're on? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. But we have um, we have new teammates coming. So two New Zealanders are coming. We have one girl from Kenya and then we have one girl from Fiji. And I don't know who the fifth one is. It's yet to be determined. Okay. So your team's about to get a little shakeup of infusion yeah. of culture. <laughs> yes. 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 Wonderful. Oh, cool. Well, uh, shifting away from some of the male-female dynamics in the locker room, um, you've also overcome quite a bit of adversity. Uh, how many? How many ACL injuries have you had? <laughs> three. Three. Unfortunately, yeah, three. It's crazy. Wow. So, I mean, even just that, I, know, I was mentioning to you that I was a physical therapist in a former life, and so I know mm-hmm. just how intense that rehab can be. Um, what was your experience going through? injury and the adversity of injury and um what did you learn from all that oh man like my last my third tear was very like my heart was broken Mm. i'm like again like what um so the third one was the hardest one to to overcome um i still like and i you know it's your body's way of protecting yourself but I, I still get worried sometimes. But like when you worry, that's when bad things happen. It's like when you don't care, that's when like nothing bad happens. Um, so, yeah, but it, it forced me to like level up my how professional I am as an athlete. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about like the gym. It's about like the yoga, the mobility, the what you eat what time you sleep, the supplements that you're taking. So it it did force me to level up and it makes me more understanding of other players um, and their injuries and stuff like that. It makes me appreciate what I do more mm-hmm. because the field time is so precious and oh, it yeah. just, boom, one, one second, not even a fraction of a second and like your whole career could be over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm a better person. It's just I have to fight with that that fear, like that, like, um, no confidence. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to fight that. So that's something that I'm dealing with right now. Which one was the most challenging to come back from, either third. physically or mentally? The third one? Third. Third. Yeah. Third, third. And they also took from my quad. So they didn't take from my hamstring. They took uh-huh. from my quad. And oh. like your quad does everything. And I didn't know how much your quad does in your daily life. But apparently it does a lot. And so like it was, it, it's like, it, I still get sort of like that tightness. And like that sometimes, not pain, but like that tight pain. Um, So I have to keep an eye on it a little bit more. Uh, just because where they, they took the graph from. What would you say was the biggest thing you learned about yourself with this last rehab journey? That's a good question. I haven't thought about that. 
I've thought about other things, but I haven't thought about like what what have I learned about myself? Oh. Yeah. What did you I mean, <laughs> did, did, was there was there any way in which you you surprised yourself in how you responded or uh, uh, something you're proud of? You know what? I'm actually surprised. I'm actually surprised that I was I felt heartbroken. Like I'm surprised at like of my reactions because I never thought like I would be like that. Like mm -hmm. I'm always just like whatever, brush things off and then go forward. I'm like, oh, I'm actually like developing this fear or this fear that's already inside me is starting to come out and I'm starting to, to notice it. Um, so, oh yeah, I'm that, that type of like, I don't know, weakness and not weakness, but like that, that thing. Now I have this whole new thing that I have to overcome, which is the mental, emotional thing, uh, state, which is annoying, but it's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. It's probably well, going to lead me to something better. Yeah. I, well, that's what I was going to ask if, if you can imagine what the gift of that might be what's what's the blessing of that even if i got mm. to understand the challenge of it what's the gift mm -hmm. um you see that that's the thing like i haven't even opened the gift yet so like i couldn't even say all all you know is like you know the outcome is going to be good and you know at some point when you become older and wiser you're going to look back and you're going to be like ah i get it mm. so i i just know that's like the end part so I'm just going towards that direction because you don't have choices, right? Like you have choices, but they're limited. It's like, okay, you got that good direction or you got the one where you're dealing with this fear all the time and you feel like crap all the time for the rest of your life. And it's like, do I really want to feel like this way for the rest of my life? Not really. So let's go the other way. So, mm. um, yeah, that that's sort of like how I'm feeling about it right now. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll just have to circle back in the future and see what that, yeah. what that gift is further down the road. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I didn't expect to ask you this question, but I know I mentioned to you already that I have uh, have a daughter and mm -hmm. I want to ask you, what would you, what, what would you say to a father who's raising a daughter mm -hmm. right now in this world? Um, I don't know if it's oh, advice or if it's just uh, something that you would like myself or, or other men to be mm -hmm. more aware of in how we're raising daughters to be young women oh man see i didn't grow up with a father mm -hmm. so it sounds like you grew up with a bunch of different fathers in your, in your I coaches. Did, yes <laughs> yes not not blood but yeah like definitely i had guidance and i think if you don't have a dad then guidance is very that's that's all you need you just need one person to give a shit about you mm. you know like you just need one person in your life and uh, if you don't have anybody then that person has to be you. Mm. And then when you start giving a shit about yourself, then other people feel that and other people start giving a shit about you. Um, I think, I feel like a father's role is basically showing showing your daughter how, how a man is supposed to treat and love a woman. So she she will be watching how, you know, you you love her mom mm -hmm. um and she might be dating like uh, you know maybe not the greatest guy like her first boyfriend might not be the best 
<laughs> but eventually, because of that, like, psychological, you know, how she, that, that psychology, um, she will probably eventually end up with a guy like you. Mm-hmm. Like, um, which I think you're dope. Like, I know we just met, but, like, <laughs> Thanks, I Ray. really like your energy and like what you're doing and you're obviously passionate about what you're what you're doing and you're you're proud uh you're a proud man and you're and you're proud to be you know a father and you're obviously someone who prioritizes his family um and yeah I just she's just always watching even when she doesn't know she's watching mm. yeah well yeah. thank you for saying that that's always a, a really important reminder um it, it lines up perfectly with the way that I've always held my role as a father, especially mm-hmm. to a daughter. Because I do think there there are some nuanced differences to being a father to a son and being a father to a daughter. You know, with my son, I feel mm-hmm. like my job is to just get him ready for the world. Just give yes. him as much as I can so that he can handle the unknown that's coming his way as best as he possibly can. And whatever mm-hmm. he decides to do. And with my daughter, it's it's very reflective of what you just said. I feel like my my whole job is to be the example of the man that she's going to surround herself with someday, whether mm-hmm. whether she chooses to marry a man or not, or even just the men that she is in relationship with, uh, platonically mm-hmm. or otherwise. So when you put it in that frame of reference, just um, yeah, especially thinking about the way she's already watching me and the way that I I treat her mom and the way that her mom mm-hmm. and I interact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just such a simple lens to look through and a good reminder yeah. too, because you get caught up in the day to day and I'm not always thinking about that top mm-hmm. of mind in every moment, but I don't mm-hmm. want to miss mm-hmm. any of those moments to be the mm-hmm. best example I can for her. Yeah, for sure. And like, it, it's, it's interesting. It's like, how, how do I word it? It's like, who, whoever we end up with, it's in the back of our head, it's probably going to be like, without us realizing, oh, if is this, this is not the, is this the way, like, because, because you show, you show your daughter, I think, how to be loved. Mm. And if, and if it's a really great love, you know, like if she's raised in that, like, great love throughout her life, like growing, if she ends up with the guy that, doesn't match that like type of great love in the back of her head she's going to be unsatisfied mm-hmm. because it's not like how daddy loved me mm-hmm. whether she realizes it or not it's just like like it's just like basic psychology mm-hmm. it's just how how humans are 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 wired right so that's yeah so like it's it's very important that i think that father-daughter relationship is super important because you do end up with somebody that's like I feel like similar to how you grew up. Um, yeah. And I see that even, even in me, like people that um, like, I'm super focused on, on rugby and like, this is not the season for me to be um, dating and it's not a priority priority of me for, for me, but you, but you know, you're human. And like, sometimes like you do develop feelings. I don't do anything about it, but you know, sometimes <laughs> you de- develop feelings and then like looking back, it's like, Oh, that guy was kind of like my mom. Mm. That's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. and you don't realize it at the time. It's like, wait, why am I so comfortable with this person? Mm. Oh my God, this person is like, oh yeah, this person is just like my mom. That's insane. That's crazy. And mm. yeah, you don't realize it at the time. So it's interesting. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for sharing that. And I, I want to ask you about your, because you, you said you grew up without a father. Um, did, did you yeah. have or do you have any relationship with your father? Is he still no. around? No, 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 no. I have no connection. Just just mom and I and then my my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's that little nucleus. Got you. Got you. And it seems like throughout your life, you like you said, you've had other male figures come, come in. Is that has that ever felt like a void for you? Does it still feel like a void not having had that father figure? Um, <clears throat> no, because uh, it's like it is what it is, and I like again, like I I grew up Buddhist, right? So things are as they are, and um, I think everything ultimately ends up the end is always positive. Mm. Um, so. No, I I understood that like at a very young age that everything's gonna be fine, and my mom inputted that in my head when I was like, oh my god, like five. She she told me like, look, this is our situation. You know, you don't have a father. Um, it's just me earning income, and it's just me. And if anything happens to me, you're gonna have nobody. And so I'm going to treat you like an adult. I'm gonna speak to you like an adult. Um, I'm going to talk to you about like sex, money, um, drugs. And she did. Um, she was very transparent with me uh, when I asked questions and stuff. Like I remember we were downtown Toronto and she was talking about like prostitution with, I forgot who, who we were with, another adult in the car. And at the time I was like, what prostitution? That's like such a big word. You don't know what that means. You can't spell it. Like, <laughs> and I asked like, what's a prostitute? And then she eloquently put it like it's somebody who sells their body for money. And so but in my head, I, I was like, huh? Like I thought like people were carrying around like briefcases with like body parts. Like <laughs> like yeah, like that's what I thought, right? I'm like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> but now looking back, I'm like, oh, I, I get what, what she's saying. So um she she was quite transparent and I'm glad that like she set the tone and like no victim like no victim mentality and like I I see that with some of my um friends and like as much as it hurts like it's good to acknowledge that it hurts but you can't like do you want to be hurting forever you know Mm. like you you don't be a victim bro like this is your life this is what it is and you got to accept like you got to accept this reality um and so for myself, I, I, I really try to, re- I, I do refuse to, to be a victim because it just doesn't, the end result never ends up good. You know, you, you yeah. see the patterns in people, like it's just never, it's, it's not productive. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just, that's just me. I could be wrong, but. Um, wow. Well, maybe we're both wrong. Cause I, I tend to agree with what you're saying too. And mm. the, the problem is, is that the role of victim can be really seductive because victims yes. usually get a lot of attention and yes. a lot of sympathy and uh, all that, all those emotions directed in that, in that way. But it's also a really powerless position to be in. It doesn't mm-hmm. give me the opportunity to be the solution to my own problems. It puts me squarely in the hands of someone or something else. And so, mm-hmm. um, and I get it. It's sometimes it's really hard to get out of that mindset. I struggle with that in all different kinds of ways and have to face mm. off with, do I want to be a victim of my circumstances? Mm. Do I want to see myself mm. as less than 
the position that I'm in, or do I want to take charge of this and and take what I can into my hands and into my control? So um, it's I think it's a choice that everybody has, and that's another thing that's really it's a really difficult conversation to have with people who are committed to the victim mm. story. It's really oh, hard. Such- yeah, I like how you said that they're committed to the victim story. Yes, yeah, committed. Yeah, yeah. I think some people, well, because I think some people just don't know another way. They don't. They don't mm. know another way to be, especially if they've been that way for so long. Or like you said, they've maybe they grew up in a household like yours, a single parent household, where it was a different narrative, where it was all mm. about fueling the victim story, and it, mm. we're, we're stuck in this position because of what so and so did. Um, mm-hmm. it can become a, a way of being if, if we're not mm-hmm. paying attention. Uh, but I'm an, I'm an optimist. I always think that people can find their way, find their way through if they choose for themselves to, mm-hmm. to find that way. Yeah, for sure. hundred um, percent. Yeah. yeah. I like how you put it very eloquent. <laughs> well, thanks Ray. Time flew. Um, we're already at the top of the hour, so I don't want to keep you for too long. I know you're in your off season. Got to go take care of yourself. Um, but I do want to ask you a few quick questions before we wrap up sure. some lightning round questions. You ready? Sure. I'll <laughs> okay. try to be fast. <laughs> you don't have to take your time. Um, all right. First one. What's one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18? Oh, I wish that. Oh, um, ages ago for you. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> um, one thing I wait, wait, one more time, one more time. What's one thing you wish you knew back when you were 18 years old? One thing that you've learned now that you wish you knew back then? Mm. Think for yourself. Mm. I like that. Learn how to think for yourself quick, uh, faster. I like that. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Perfect. And what do you think is the most important value for someone to have? There's one, one premier value. One value? Well, the premier value, if there's one that stands out oh above the rest. Oh my goodness, one value, one virtue. One okay, virtue. I'll I'll put it in I'll put it in context. For somebody my age, like young, um courage. Mm. Courage is the root to everything. And it sounds so like cliché, but no, it's like you you want more confidence? You need more experience. How do you get more more experience? You, you got to be courageous. You want to you know ask that girl out? You got to be courageous. You know you want to be a bigger person, and you're guilty for what you did. You got to be courageous enough to have the humility to apologize. So, I think uh, the root of action is is courage. So. I like that. More courage in the world. All right. One more. You ready? Um, Mm. What do you think the world needs more of from men right now? Men specifically. Mm. I feel like there's like a weakening, like, like men are becoming a little bit more weak. Uh, I don't know if you're getting that vibe. Um, And there's probably many factors to why that's happening, but don't, be ashamed of being a man Mm. like be the reason why women love men you know like like just don't don't be ashamed because you're you're you okay you're born you're born with all the male parts you are male you believe you're male you can't change that you're in this you're in this body and framework till you die so you got to be committed to it and don't live your whole life being ashamed 
um, especially if, if you're young, just build yourself up to be the best man possible. Like what you imagine, like be become that ideal, you know, get as fit as possible, get as healthy as possible, invest in yourself, be articulate, um, learn how to love and take care of your parents. Um, you know, like do little things that, that can help you become the man of the community. Um, groom yourself, like shower, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like all, all the more showers. Stuff, Got know? it. Men need more showers, more showers, <laughs> more showers. like better hygiene. Throw away, yeah. Throw away like the speed stick and switch it up to old spice or something, you know, like just like little things to, to elevate to elevate you just be be proud of being a man um and just be the best man you can possibly be because then you'll track a great mate and then build a great family and then it'll be good for next generations uh i love that i love that uh, definitely a woman wise beyond your years um oh just, thank you just take that. that just take that um, oh i appreciate that thank you for anybody who doesn't know you yet, where can people go to follow you, hear more about your story, connect with you? Just hit us with all the, the info. Yeah, for sure. And and my DMs are always open. Um, my Instagram is underscore Reina Izuka. Um, also LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. You can connect with people that you could never connect with um, on any other platform. Um, and what else? I do have TikTok, but I don't, I don't use it. Um might delete it. I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of scary. It's a little bit TikTok's scary. The a more little I'm about it, the more scary. I'm learning about it. Yeah. So, but like mainly Instagram, uh, LinkedIn are are great ways to connect. And I love connecting with people. That's how I'm able to have this podcast with you. That's right. Yeah. I just I hit you up because I, I you popped up in my feed. I said, "Wow, yeah, this this chick is dope. Let's let's link oh, up." And that. I'm really glad that we got to connect. Thank you for making the time. I look forward to continuing to build a relationship and follow your story and support you however I can. So um, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me on. This was fun. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it too. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll do a part two sometime down the road and catch up on your story. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to. All right, y'all, for everything Rising Man, make sure you swing over to risingman.org. If you are ready to level up in your life and you want to join us for four powerful days of leadership development, stretching and preparing that body to be the leader you want to be, then go check us out and sign up for Dojo, risingman.org slash dojo. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us, as well as our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Big ups to everyone out there supporting Rising Man, listening to this podcast, repping in all the ways that you do. It's amazing to me. We've been at it for five years now and we're just steadily growing. So thank everybody for all the support that you've had over the years, all the love, all the messages. Please keep it coming this way. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.